السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمد عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ما بعد If someone could just give me a, a quick sound check whilst I'm speaking uh, just to make sure that inshallah the sound and everything else is okay So last week alhamdulillah we uh, we covered a few of the verses from Surah Al-Fajr uh, in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions a number of oaths so we know that from the beginning of the surah Allah Azza wa takes an oath by the dawn or the daybreak or fajr and then by the ten days or nights and we mentioned that the majority of the scholars were of the position that those ten days or those ten nights are referring to the ten the first ten of Dhul Hijjah according to the majority of the scholars of Tafsir and then last week we continued with verses three onwards three four and five in which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, says and Allah takes a further two oaths one by the even and one by the odd and we mentioned the number of statements of the scholars concerning what it refers to and if you recall we mentioned the uh, the passage or we mentioned the statement from Al-Qurtubi in his tafsir in which he brings a number of different positions of the scholars because there were a number of uh, different opinions that you can find amongst the scholars of tafsir as to what it refers to but we said that essentially uh, the, the major positions or the well-known positions concerning this verse come back to two broad categories. The first of them is with regard to ibadat, that is referring to acts of worship. Primarily the act of worshipping hajj because it follows on from verse number two, the oath of the ten days of the hijjah. So some of the scholars said that it's referring to the twelfth and thirteenth of the hijjah being the odd and the even number, uh, which are the, obviously the last two days of hajj. And others said that it's the 9th and the 10th of Dhul-Hijjah, the day of Arafah, and the day of Eid, or the day of Yawm al-Nahar, for those of the, of the people who are making Hajj, it's Yawm al-Nahar, for nas it's the day of Eid. Uh, and others from amongst them said that it's referring to Salah. So you have in the prayers that which has odd, an odd number of rak'ahs and that which has an even number of rak'ahs. So for example, Maghrib and Isha. That's one body of opinion, or that's one kind of category that those statements go back to, that it's referring to the ibadat. The other position, or the other category that all of those different statements go to of the salaf, is that it's referring to the creation. Whether that be the creation in or amongst themselves, that there are things that Allah Azza created that are in pairs, or even, and there are things that Allah Azza created in single units. There is nothing uh, like them. So for example, for example, the throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is unique in its creation. Allah Azza created it is the only type of throne that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created in that fashion and in that manner. Or some of the scholars said that the shaf and watar and we said remember that the watar is is, is read as with the fatha and with the kasra al watar and al witr and al watar is the is the well known uh, pronunciation and the language of the people of the Hijaz of the people of Mecca and Quraysh and so on and al witr is from the language of Banu Tamim and others. Uh, 
that it's referring to the creator and the creation that Allah Azza wa is the one who is Al-Watr Wal-Witr He is Allah Azza wa He is unique and He is alone and there is a narration to that effect that Allah Azza wa is one and He loves odd numbers um, and that is why as we know within our Sharia generally there are many acts of worship that revolve around odd numbers so whether that be three whether that be for example seven you know like in Hajj and Tawaf and Sa'i and starting the Jamarat and so on the odd number is generally something which is uh, liked and which is preferred for that reason and then obviously the even referring to everything else that Allah Azza has created because nothing else is unique in that sense and in that fashion and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the following verse takes another uh, oath and this is now oath number five and Allah Azza takes an oath by the night and we mentioned that some of the scholars said that Al-Yasr or Walayni Ida Yasr refers to the night as it is ending. Others said the night as it is coming uh, bit by bit or if you like portion by portion as the night extends out. And others said that it is referring to the beginning of the night. And that is the position, if you remember, that Ibn Kathir Rahimahullah Ta'ala chose. Ibn Kathir Rahimahullah Ta'ala chose that position because he said that then juxtaposes Wal-Fajr. Al-Fajr is the beginning of the day. Therefore, is the beginning of the night, the onset of the night. That was the position that he chose. Others uh, didn't necessarily take that position. They took the position that it's referring to uh, the, the middle of the night or the end of the night. And so, therefore, it's referring to, I think, even then, it can be said that it's referring to the whole of the day and the night because you have the end of the night and you have the beginning of the day, which is marked by Al Fajr. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla in verse number 5, after taking those five previous oaths in, in verses 1 to 4, Allah Azza wa Jalla says, هَلْ فِي ذَلِكَ قَسَمٌ لِذِي حِجْرٌ Is there not within that sufficient oath for the people of understanding, for the people of intelligence, for the people of sound mind? And that's because the word hijr from the meanings of that word is intelligence, or is someone who uses the intellect to think and to ponder and to reflect and to contemplate. And that was the general position that you find within the books of tafsir that Thu Hijr or is referring to these oaths that Allah has taken, meaning the five previous oaths. Is there not within them sufficient sign in those oaths for those people of intellect? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, after mentioning those opening uh, five verses and the oaths that Allah brings within them, and then posing this question in verse number five that we ended upon last week, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will now go on to speak about a number of the past nations and uh, and essentially posing the question of how they met their end. And this links to the previous verses in the sense that Allah Azzawajal is saying that the people of intellect, the people of sound mind, the people of sound reason, the people who ponder and reflect, those oaths are sufficient for them that they should believe in Allah Azzawajal, that they should turn to Allah Azzawajal, worship Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And so therefore for them it is sufficient. Is there not sufficient sign within those oaths for the people of understanding? For the believers, yes, there is sufficient sign. So they turn to Allah and they dedicate their lives in worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And that shows the importance of reflection and pondering. How often in the Quran Allah when he asks these questions, it is based upon uh, it is based upon the, the it is based upon the concept of someone. Uh, it is based upon the concept of someone gaining understanding uh, through reflection and pondering over the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So for example, you know, one of the difficulties that people have in, in our time, many Muslims, one of the shortcomings that we have is that we don't ponder over the Quran. We read the Quran, 
and we study the tafsir of the Qur'an at times, and we maybe read the translation of the meanings of the Qur'an, but how often do we stop to reflect and ponder? And Allah tells us, as we know, will they not contemplate upon the Qur'an? And Allah says in the Qur'an concerning the Qur'an, This is a book that is blessed, revealed it to you, that you may ponder over its verses. And that the people of understanding may reflect upon it. It is a reminder for them. And so that ability to stop and to reflect is something which you find not only mentioned in the Quran and in the Sunnah, but it was the practice of the companions radiallahu anhum ajma'in. And that's why Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhumah, others from amongst the senior companions and the well-known scholars from amongst the companions disliked that people would come and they would simply read the Quran with very little to no understanding. And that's obviously a challenge for us as English speakers or non-Arabic speakers because it puts an extra obstacle in our way. And that's why for us, studying tafsir is even more important and paramount than someone who can at least maybe take something away from the Arabic language because they speak the language. Even though for many of them, uh, much of the Quran in terms of the words that are used and so on may not be familiar to them also. So Allah is saying, is there not within that sufficient sign? Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will tell us and, 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 and mention to us the situation of those people for whom it was not sufficient sign that they reflected upon Allah's creation didn't cause them to stop and ponder and reflect. And those three nations that will be mentioned are the people of Ad, the people of Thamud and Pharaoh. These are the three that Allah will refer to within this surah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, and remember that this surah, as we said at the beginning when we first started the tafsir of Surah Al-Fajr a couple of weeks back, is a surah that speaks about the hereafter. It's a surah that speaks about accounting. It is a surah that speaks about the reward and the punishment that will be on offer. And that is why the ending of the surah is all about death and the accounting and the coming of Allah Azza wa for the accounting on Yawm Al-Qiyamah. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning now that accounting in a different way, and that is in the sense of those people who didn't, focus upon what their prophets came with. The message that their prophets and messengers brought to them wasn't sufficient for them in order for them to heed the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa says in verse number 6, أَلَمْ تَرَ كَيْفَ فَعَلَ رَبُّكَ بعاد. Have you not considered how your Lord dealt with the people of Ad? Now, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti in his tafsir, he mentions a very uh, nice point concerning this surah. He says that Allah will mention the people of Ad and the people of Thamud and the people of Pharaoh. And Allah says, Alam tara kayfa? Do you not see? Have you not considered? So it is a question for people to understand what took place with these three nations, with these three tribes or peoples, what took place with them and what was their end result and consequence. But as Sheikh Muhammad al-Amin ta'ala points out, Allah doesn't actually mention the consequence here in this surah explicitly. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mention explicitly what took place with each one of these three nations and how they met their demise and their destruction. That is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. It is mentioned in Surah Al-A'raf. It's mentioned in Surah Hud. It's mentioned more uh, closely to, uh, to Surah Al-Fajr. It is mentioned in surahs like Surah Al-Haqa towards the end of the Qur'an. Those are the surahs that focus upon the destruction of what took place to these tribes and nations. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this surah isn't, isn't going to focus on that. Rather, the question here is for people to understand. And what does Allah Azza focus on here instead, as we will see in these verses now? Allah Azza focuses on 
the skills, the abilities, the blessings that these different tribes and nations were given. And how those skills and abilities, how those blessings and favors that Allah granted to them, when those people disbelieved and turned away from Allah, didn't benefit them in anything. Didn't help them. Didn't come to their aid. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Alam tara kayfa fa'al? Do you not see or do you not consider how your Lord, and, and obviously as Imam Al-Qurtubi is referring to here, the see here or the people of the person that is being directly addressed first and foremost is obviously the Prophet and then by extension all of the believers. It is meant for everyone. Alam tara, do you not see? Meaning, have you not considered, and as we mentioned before, sometimes the sight that is being referred to in the Quran, especially in the context of these types of, of verses, where Allah Azza is referring to something that took place centuries before, generations before the time of the Prophet is referring to as Al-Qurtubi Qalb. It is the seeing of the heart, meaning, do you not reflect? Do you not consider? Do you not ponder upon? And that's because these three uh, nations were well known amongst the Arabs. Remember, this is a Mecki surah. And as we know, the Mecki surahs generally don't speak in great detail concerning the past nations and their problems. Those surahs generally refer to, or the ones that you have in greater detail, are not necessarily the Mecki surahs. Why then does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refer to these people here? Allah Azza refers to Ad and Thamud, as we mentioned before, when we were doing the tafsir of Surah Al-Shams and the mention of, of Thamud came. Ad and Thamud were known to the Arabs, so to the Quraysh and the Arabs in general, because they too were Arab tribes. They were Arab nations. And so their mention and their and their story and, and, and their and their like incidents were well known to the Arabs. And the people of Pharaoh were known, or the story of Pharaoh was somewhat familiar to the Arabs because the Jews were widespread within the lands of Arabia. Right? And likewise, obviously, the Christians as well, but the Christians perhaps less so, where directly where the Muslims were or, or, or that, that area of Mecca and Medina and so on, it was mainly the Jewish tribes that were more prevalent there. The Christians were elsewhere in the Arabian Peninsula. So these three stories were, were known. And that is what Imam Al-Qurtubi says in his tafsir. And the people of Ad and Thamud were known to the Arabs because they lived in the lands of the Arabs. And that is why, as we mentioned before, uh, when the Prophet ﷺ was going to the Battle of Tabuk, he passed by the old dwellings of the people of Thamud. Right? And so it was known to them who these people were because of them being Arabs. Uh, Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions these people and he mentions when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions rather uh, before in, in the in the in the oaths that we have taken uh, or in the oaths that Allah rather has taken and mentioned at the beginning of the surah that refers to the things that it refers to including the ibadat and so on and that is also one of the connections that, that some of the scholars made between the opening oaths and between now these stories. Allah takes an oath and as we said if we take the tafsir especially of all of them are referring to acts of worship those are points of worship for the people of Islam and for the people of Iman. Whether it's Salah, or whether it's Hajj, or whether it's using generally that time of you know Fajr and so on to fast and to do other acts of worship. This is how the people of Iman use those signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to draw them closer to draw themselves closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. After mentioning how the believers interact with those signs, 
Allah Azza wa will now mention Ibn Kathir says how their disbelievers interact with them and how they didn't benefit them but instead they turned away from their messengers and they disbelieved in the message that they bought from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa begins by mentioning the people of Ad. And the people of Ad, I think this is the first time, uh, if memory serves me correctly now, someone maybe can correct me, but I think it's the first time that we're coming across them uh, in the Quran. So because we started from Surah Nas and we're working our way backwards in reverse order, we mentioned the people of, of Thamud in, in Surah uh, in Surah Al-Shams, but this is the first mention of the people of Ad. And the people of Ad came before the people of Thamud. And the people of Ad are the nation of the Prophet Hud, alayhi salatu wassalam. And obviously there is a surah of the Qur'an that is named after the Prophet Hud And the story of the people of Ad is mentioned a number of times within the Qur'an. And so it's mentioned from Surah Al-A'raf onwards. Every time you have a mention of the, the, the major stories of the prophets and messengers in the Qur'an, you find the story of the people of Ad amongst them. The people of Ad lived in Yemen. And they came, as we said, before the people of Thamud. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf, He says concerning Salih alayhi salam that He said to His people, And remember, Salih said to His people, alayhi salam, He said, and remember, when Allah made you inheritors of the earth, successors to the people of Ad. So it shows that they came after the people of Ad. The people of Hud alayhi salatu wasalam, they lived in Yemen. That is the position of the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir and the vast majority of the scholars of history and so on. And the people of Ad were known for their, and Allah will refer to this now even in this surah, they were known for their strength and they were known for their power and they were known for their physical prowess, their physical attributes that gave them a great deal of strength that allowed them then to conquer those around them and to overpower them by virtue of that strength that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala endowed them with. The people of Ad, they lived in the area of, of what is known as Himyar and that part of Yemen and they stayed there until the Prophet Hud والسلام, uh, came to them and he brought the message of Allah to them and as we know they disbelieved in Hud and they rejected the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah destroyed them as is mentioned elsewhere in the Quran. Right? They were destroyed and there was none, nothing of them left and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to them in the Quran in a number of places. The people or the scholars of 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 of, um, of tafsir rather, they differ as to whether there was more than one ad, and this is something which will inshallah ta'ala mention in more detail when we come to Surah Al-Najm, and that is because Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in Surah Al-Najm when He refers to ad, He says wa anhu ahlaka and remember or, or that He meaning Allah Azza wa is the one who destroyed the first ad, and so the scholars differed: was there more than one ad or only one ad? The position, it seems, of many of the scholars is that Ad and Al-Ula, or the first people of Ad, refers to the people of Hud And that there could have been then other types of Ad. Some of the scholars said that the remainder of the people of Ad who, who left from Yemen after the general tribe was destroyed, so those people that were saved from the punishment that left from Yemen and they sought dwelling elsewhere, some of them became Thamud and some of them went to other parts of the lands. And it said that some of them therefore are known as the second coming of Ad. But it seems that Allah Azza wa knows best that the Ad that is referred to in the Quran is the first Ad, wherever it is referred to, and Allah knows best. Um, but as we said, inshallah, when we come to Surah Al-Najm, maybe we can take a closer look at that. 
So anyway, the people of Ad are known to be the, the, the people that the Prophet Huda came to. And Allah in more than one place mentions this explicitly when he says, And to the people of Ad, we sent to them their brother, meaning their brother as in a member of their nation, not their brother in religion, but their brother in terms of lineage and in terms of being from that land and so on. We sent to them their brother, Hud. Uh, Al-Imam Al-Tabari rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, concerning this verse, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'ad. He said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, do you not see, O Muhammad, meaning do you not consider with your heart what your Lord did to the people of Ad? And Al-Imam Al-Baghawi rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah azza wa jal causes or, or casts terror and fear into the hearts of the people of Mecca when he reminds them of how they were destroyed despite their strength and despite their, uh, their, their bodies and their, and their height and so on and so forth. And we know this to be actually the case, what Al-Baghawi says, because it's mentioned, and I think we've referred to this before, in one of the stories in the seerah when the Prophet wasallam is, is approached by a man by the name of Abu Walid. And this is the man that the chieftains of Mecca sent to the Prophet so that he can negotiate on their behalf. Ask the Prophet what does he want? Does he want women? Does he want money? Does he want fame? Does he want power? What does he want? And they will give it to him if only he stops preaching the religion of Islam. And one of the things that the, or the, or the, the way that the Prophet responds to Abu Walid after he's made his offers and after he's, he's presented what he had to present, the Prophet starts to recite from Surah Fussilat, the opening passage of Surah Fussilat. And a page or so in, into Surah Fussilat, Allah mentions the two peoples of Ad and Thamud. And Allah says, فَإِنْ عَرَضُوا And if they turn away, if they reject, if they turn away, فَقُلْ أَنْذَرْتُكُمْ صَاعِقَةً مِثْلَ صَاعِقَةِ عَادٍ وَثَمُودٍ Then tell them and warn them of the same punishment that struck the people of Ad and Thamud. Say to them, I warn you of a punishment similar to the punishment of Ad and Thamud. And when Abu Walid heard this, he told the Prophet to stop. And he left and he went back to the people of Mecca and he told them that they should follow this man. And they obviously rejected and refused to do so. But the point here being that the mere mention of Ad and Thamud and their destruction and their punishment was enough for this chieftain or from amongst the nobility of Mecca to make him stop because they were familiar with this. And that is what Imam al-Baghawi is saying, that this is a Mecca surah by mentioning the people of Ad and Thamud, Allah casts terror into the hearts of and fear into the hearts of the people of Mecca because they were familiar with those people and their strength and their prowess and their abilities and what they could do despite that they were destroyed. So what then you, O people of Mecca, what do you have, O Quraysh, that is greater than what the people of Ad had? And that is something similar which is also mentioned by Ibn al-Jawzi in his tafsir. He said, Allah causes the people of Mecca to be fearful because he tells them that those that came before them were stronger than them, fiercer than them, had more strength than them, and still they were destroyed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah Azza wa Jalla, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala, he says that Allah Azza wa Jalla in this surah, he doesn't mention how they were destroyed, neither Ad, nor Thamud, nor the people of Pharaoh, doesn't go into detail in terms of their destruction. But rather what Allah Azza wa Jalla does here that is new, is that he describes for each one of them certain attributes that they were given. So this is what Allah Azza wa Jalla focuses on, because the fact that they were destroyed 
is well known. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will simply mention this in one verse towards uh, after mentioning these three nations and these three peoples. Allah Azza wa Jalla will simply say, and inshallah we will come to this, Inna Rabbaka Labil Mirsad. Right? That's all that Allah Azza wa Jalla needs to say. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need to go into any more detail. What does instead Allah Azza wa Jalla focus on? Their skills, their abilities, the, the blessings and favors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them. And that is what Ibn al Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala said. Now, when Allah Azza wa Jal at the beginning of the surah through the oaths, he, he praises those who are humble enough and show enough humility to worship Allah Azza wa Jal. Now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions the state and the condition of those who are too proud and too haughty and too arrogant to worship Him subhanahu wa ta'ala. <coughs> In verse number 7, Allah Azza wa continues with the description of the people of Ad. O Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, do you not consider what we did to the people of Ad? Now Allah describes them and He says, Irama thatil imad. Irama thatil imad. And I just want to look at the, 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 uh, the translations, if I can uh, pull them up here. So the translation of, of uh, Professor Abdul Hanim is of Iram, the city, in brackets, of lofty pillars. And Muhsin Khan of Iram, and in brackets, who were very tall, like lofty pillars. And of Iram, Mufti Taqi of Iram, the men of tall pillars. And Sahih International with Iram, who had lofty pillars. So, two questions here, right, or two points here that we need to discuss in the tafsir of this verse. The first of them is, what does Iram refer to? And the second is, what are these lofty pillars or that al-imad? What does it refer to? That al-imad, right? The uh, first of those positions is, uh, and actually let me begin uh, by mentioning some of the statements of the early scholars and then we'll, we'll go into the different uh, positions of the scholars of tafsir. So some of them said, for example, Irama that al-Imad refers to a city. And then they differed as to which city in particular it is referring to. Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Irama that al-Imad, Imad means something which is extremely old. Which is extremely old. Or Iram refers to something which is extremely old. And that al-Imad are the, uh, the pillars that are being referred to. Qatada, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said, Iram is from the tribes of Ad. And al-Imad refers to their houses and the dwellings that they lived in. Al-Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says concerning Iram, he says the scholars of tafsir differed concerning the meaning of the word Iram. Some of them said it is the name of a place. And then those scholars who took that position differed as to which place it is referring to. So some of them said that it refers to Alexandria. And some of them said that it's referring to Damascus. And some of them said that it's referring to a city that was built by one of their ancestors. Right? And from amongst the people that, that held this position were the likes of Ka'b, Muhammad ibn Ka'b al-Quradi, and uh, Sa'id ibn Musayyib, and Ikrimah, alayhi muhammatullah. Right? That is referring to different types of cities. Ibn Kathir, ta'ala, so we're still going through Imam al-Tabari's uh, kind of uh, you know, like summary, summary of the meaning or the different positions of uh, what is Iram. But I'm going to interject here and there with some of the statements of the other scholars of tafsir as well. Ibn Kathir ta'ala says concerning this first position that Iram refers to a city, whether it's Damascus or whatever it may be, he says whoever claims this, that Iram refers to a city, whether it be Damascus as is reported from Sa'id bin Musayb and Ikrimah, or whether it's Alexandria or something else, he said then this is something which 
there is some doubt concerning. And that is because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala refers to these people and their destruction, He refers to the people of Ad. And Allah Azza wa Jal says that it is a, a, st- a place that was destroyed. And when a place is destroyed, such as this place, very and it is very rare that someone will come and live and reside therein, right? With this type of destruction. And remember, this type of destruction, the people of Ad and Thamud and so on, is very different to the destruction of the people of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, how is he destroyed? They're drowned in the river, as we know, in the sea. But the cities that they lived in, in Egypt, you know, Cairo and all of the, nothing happens to those cities. So it is a different type of destruction. The destruction of Ad and Thamud, however, is of the places. Ibn Kathir Ta'ala is saying that if it was something like this, then those places, you know, the ones that are being mentioned, Damascus and Alexandria and so on, would have also been destroyed and it would have been unlikely that other people would have come and they would have settled there because people generally avoided places that they knew of destruction. And that is why even centuries and generations and, and millennia after the time of the people of Thamud, we don't have people living in Madain Salih, Right, which is today in modern day Saudi Arabia, you don't have people living in that particular place. So anyway, that's the first position. Ibn Kathir Ta'ala didn't consider it to be a very strong position, but anyway, it is the first position. The second position is, as Imam al-Bukhari Ta'ala mentioned, and as we know from now, that if Imam al-Bukhari Ta'ala mentions something as a position in the Sahih, then most likely it goes back to Mujahid. Mujahid Ta'ala said the second position is that Iram refers to a nation, and the word Iram means an old nation. That's what Imam al-Bukhari says. He says Iram refers to something which is extremely old. And no doubt the people of Ad are extremely old. And some of the scholars are of the position, in fact I think many of the scholars of the position, that after the time of Nuh one of the first prophets to come and the first nations to which a messenger and a prophet was then sent were the people of of, of Ad, right, with the people of Ad. And that's why it is said that Ad traces its lineage you know, in, in three or four generations back to the Prophet Nuh alayhi salatu Others from amongst them, the third position that you have that Imam al-Tabari ta'ala mentions is that it is a qabila from Ad. It is a tribe from Ad. So Ad is a massive nation. Iram was the particular qabila, was the particular tribe of Ad to which Hud salam was sent and to which uh, you know, this destruction came. Um, and so therefore, on that tafsir, it is possible to say, as we mentioned in Surah Al-Najm, Adan al-Ula, that Adan al-Ula is referring to this particular tribe as opposed to all of the people of Adan, Allah Azza wa knows best. And this was a position chosen by Qatada and Muqatil from amongst the, the, the scholars of tafsir. And as Zajjaj, who was the famous linguist of the Qur'an, and, and he, he did many, he wrote books on, on the language of the Qur'an, he said, and that is why Iram, right, Iram in this verse, is mamnu' min al-sarf, meaning that it doesn't have a tanween. So when Allah says, Alam tara kayfa fa'ala rabbuka bi'adin, right, because it has the two kasras on the word ad, if it was a description, it would be iramin, right, iramin. It's not iramin, it is irama. Why is it irama? Why does, is there no tanween on it? He said, because it is a name. It is a name of a tribe. And because it is a name of a tribe, it has been left with that tanween. And this is obviously to do more with uh, you know, to do more with the um, Arabic language and its grammar. So that's the third position that it's referring to, a tribe from Ad. The fourth position that Imam Al-Tabari Taala mentions is that it is referring to Al-Halik. That it's referring to, Iram means the destroyed. So Allah Azza wa Jal says, 
do you not see or have you not considered uh, what your Lord did to the people of Ad, Iram, they were destroyed. That's essentially what's referring to, and this was the position of al-Dahak, and it is mentioned as a narration on Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Al-Imam al-Tabir he then says, And the one that seems most likely to be correct, in my, in my opinion, is that Iram is the name of a tribe from the people of Ad. That it is the name of a tribe from the people of Ad. And Ibn Kathir, I think he also kind of leans towards this because he says that the word Iram is mentioned to further elucidate or further uh, you know, emphasize or further highlight who the people of Ad were. So they were this tribe from the people of, of Iram. Uh, Ibn al-Jawzi, he mentions a, a fifth position. So we have the four positions that Imam al-Tabari mentioned. Those four being that it's a, 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 the name of the city or a city or that it's referring to um, it's referring to destruction, or it's referring to a tribe, or it's referring to something that is extremely old. Imam Ibn al-Jawzi mentions a fifth position, and he says, and that is that Iram was the name of the ancestor of Ad. So the people of Ad, they uh, they trace their, their ancestry back to Iram. So he says in this position, and this was the position of Ibn Ishaq, they say that Ad was the grandson of Iram, Iram being the grandson of Nuh That's why I said that those scholars say that there was between Ad and between Nuh five or four generations, four or five generations. And obviously the generations of that time, and Allah was best seen to have been uh, a lot longer. So not the generations that we have, for example, when you say, you know, generations of people is like 50, 60 years. Those generations may have been centuries. So Allah knows best. And Al-Farra, said the same thing and he said uh, he said that is why we say Iram and we don't say Iramin. We say Iram because it is a non-Arabic name and the non-Arabic names which are which are originally from uh, other languages like Ibrahim and Ismail and Ishaq they don't have Tanween on them. They don't make Tanween on them. Okay. Those are the five positions therefore that we have amongst the scholars of Tafsir in terms of the word or the name Iram. Uh, and, and the strongest of them in Allah knows best seems to be what Ibn Kathir and what Imam Al-Qurtubi, uh, Al-Tabari and others refer to and that is that Iram seems to refer to Allah knows best to it is another description of the people of Ad so whether it's the name of the tribe that they belong to or whether it's just a name, uh, you know, a name of the ancestor therefore that they uh, associate themselves with that is uh, what seems to be the, uh, the strongest position and Allah knows best Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says that al-imad that al-imad wa qawluhu that al-imad Ibn al-imam al-tabari rahimahullah ta'ala says and they also differed concerning this the word imad uh, is one of the plurals of the word amud and amud generally in the Arabic language means a pillar but a pillar can be a linguistic pillar Right, like you have a pillar in a building or a pillar in a house and so on. Or it can be a metaphorical pillar, like a pillar of the community. Right? A pillar of strength. So it can have multiple meanings. So that is why there is a difference of of, of opinion concerning this. Uh, even uh, Imam al-Tabr says that the first position amongst the scholars is that the meaning of that al-imad is it's referring to their height. 
that they were people of extreme height. And that is why it is said in Arabic that the tall man is described as being Rajulun Muhammad. He's like a pillar because pillars generally are tall, right? And so that's why a tall man is generally called in Arabic as a pillar. He's like a pillar of a man, meaning that he's a tall man. That is uh, that is one position they said because the people of Ad were extremely tall in height. And this was the position it is reported or one of the narrations of Ibn Abbas and Mujahid and Muqatil and others. And you will find within the works of Tafsir and others many different narrations concerning how tall they were, that they were extremely tall, essentially uh, claiming that they were some type of giants and so on. And none of those are authentically reported from the Prophet and it seems that they are from the uh, you know, either from the Israelite traditions or from uh, other types of narrations that have come uh, down through the centuries and through the generations and so on. And some of the scholars mention them. We don't have anything authentic concerning that, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. But you will find within the books of Tafsir, especially the longer books of Tafsir, you will find narrations concerning the city of the people of Ad and and what what it was like and how beautiful it was and how amazing it was and how it was made of gold and silver and how tall these people were and how strong they were and how they could lift boulders and big rocks and so on and so forth. You will find all of this being mentioned. Allah Azza wa does describe the people of Ad as being extremely strong. And he says that they had that physical military prowess of strength that Allah Azza wa endowed them with. But Allah Subh'anaHu Wa doesn't mention in any detail concerning their height or concerning their physical stature or concerning what they could lift or not lift and so on and so forth. And Allah Azza wa knows best. Anyway, that's the first position. The second position, he says, is that the meaning of uh, of um, of Imad is that they were people of Umud, that they were people who used to have pillars within, like physical pillars and posts within uh, within the the area that they lived in, and that they would use them for their for gathering their rain and for and for their vegetation and for their crops and so on and so forth. And that was the position of Mujahid and Qatada and Ata. And it's also one of the narrations that is mentioned of Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma. Others said that it's referring to a single structure that they had. Uh, and that structure was amazing, it was extremely big. And that's the one that, that we said that some of the scholars when they were saying Iram, it refers to that structure. Some of them said that it's referring to Damascus or Alexandria. The third position was that it was a building that one of the ancestors made. Right? And that's what Iram, they said, some of them said, it refers to. And this was the position of Ibn Zayd. He says, this, this was an extremely big building. So its pillars were extremely tall. And so they became known for that. They became known and famous for it. So they were known as that Imad, the people of this massive structure that has extremely big pillars. Others from amongst the scholars said, uh, it is to do with the strength of their body. So their pillar, meaning they are like pillars in terms of the strength of their body and in terms of uh, of, of how uh, how much physical prowess that they had. And this is considered to be the position of al-Dahaq, al-Dahaq from the scholars of Tafsir. And Imam al-Qurtubi, after mentioning these, uh, these four positions, he says, and what seems to be the most apparent of them, based upon what is apparent from the revelation meaning based upon the Arabic language that the Quran was revealed in is that the meaning of that al-imad is referring to they were people who had pillars within their community that they would build their houses and they would build their tents and so on with these pillars and they would use them in their everyday life and he says and that seems to be the strongest of these positions 
because he says that that is what the Arabic language usually refers to it in, in that regard, meaning that when, when in Arabic you say that al-imad, it refers to physical pillars. It doesn't refer to strength of body or height or anything else. It refers to the usual pillars that you know that we call umud or imad or so on. Those are the pillars that we refer to. And that is, he says, because we have no other evidence from the Quran or the Sunnah that would take away that meaning to something else. So therefore, when we don't have that any extra evidence to take away the meaning of a word to something else from the Quran or the Sunnah, then we go back to the linguistic and the customary use of that particular word. Ibn Kathir ta'ala, also seems to have taken this and he says, because they were people who used to live in houses that were propped up by extremely big and strong pillars. And they were extremely strong during their time as well, meaning that they were the strongest of people during their time. Ibn Kathir ta'ala, therefore seems to have merged between those two positions, but primarily he says that it refers to the pillars of their community and it's possible therefore that they had pillars that they built with but they were also extremely strong and that is why some of the scholars used it to have that meaning in terms of a secondary meaning and Allah Azza knows best. The fact that they were strong or that they had that amazing strength is something which is referred to in the Quran because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions uh, I believe in Surah Fussilat Allah Azza says concerning the people of Ad that they used to say وَقَالُوا مَنْ أَشَدُّ مِنَّا قُوَّةً they used to say, and who is stronger than us? Who has more might and power than us? And Allah responds in that surah and he says, أَوَلَمْ يَرَوْا أَنَّ اللَّهَ الَّذِي خَلَقَهُمْ هُوَ أَشَدُّ مِنْهُمْ قُوَّةً Did they not see that Allah is the one who created them? And therefore he has more strength and power than they do. Right? And that is obviously in that same passage that the Prophet was reciting from Surah Fussilat. And so therefore Allah refers to these people. And Allah says that these are people of extraordinary strength. People that Allah blessed with this amazing amount of strength that they could have these structures because even these pillars that are extremely tall and big and sturdy, the fact that they could use them and build them, build with them and use them in their buildings and use them in their lives is something which in itself indirectly denotes their strength and their ability and their might and power as well. Uh, Shaykh Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, and there are many stories that have been revealed, or many stories rather that have been narrated concerning the uh, people of Ad and their city and where they lived. He says most of it is beyond our imagination. And many of them say that it's something which was, which, which in our modern day would be in what they call the empty quarter. So you know, like there's a part of Arabia that is called the empty quarter, right? It's like desert and so on. It's like one of the harshest places upon earth. But he said that none of this is has been narrated to us with a strong chain of narration that we can then say that it's something which has which has taken place. But some of those scholars who narrated them said, and that is why the empty quarter is empty from that time because that is where the punishment came and it descended upon them. And after that, it was a place that was uninhabitable for people and no one has lived there ever since. And Allah Azza wa knows best. In verse number 8, Allah Azza wa then Conclude so there are three verses concerning the people of Ad. So verses seven, uh, six, seven, and now eight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues Irama that these people of structures. One of the reasons why some of the scholars chose the position that is referring to structure, that the pillars that they had, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then goes on to say in verse number eight, Allah whose like has never been made in any land. 
Qatada rahimahullah ta'ala he said that it is said that one of the structures would be 12 arm spans in height meaning in height uh, into the heavens and Ibn al-Jawzi rahimahullah ta'ala he said that when we're speaking about what Allah Azzawajal is referring to here, there are two positions as to what Allah Azzawajal is referring to here, whose like has never been made in any land. The first of them is that it's referring to the people of Ad, that there was nothing like them, meaning that Allah Azzawajal didn't create a creation like them in terms of their height, in terms of their power, in terms of their strength, and so on. And this was the position of Al-Hasan al-Basri, rahimahullah ta'ala. And the second is that it's referring to Allati lam yukhlaq, Mithluha, its like was never made. What, what is the it referring to? Its like was never made. The it, some of them said it's referring to the people of Ad. That's Al-Hasan al-Basri. The second position is that it's referring to the city, meaning those pillars, that the likes of those pillars were never seen upon any land, meaning in terms of their strength and their and their width and their height and so on and so forth. And that was the position of Ikrimah, rahimahullah ta'ala. And obviously each one would depend on what you consider that al-imad referring to. Al-Imam al-Tabari, rahimahullah ta'ala, he says, the ha in mithluha, so it's like the ha that is being mentioned to here is referring to the people of Ad. It's referring to the people of Ad. And it could also be referring to Iram, because he said, as we mentioned before, this is the position of Imam al-Tabari, obviously, he said that, as we mentioned before, the Iram refers to the tribe from amongst the tribes of Ad. So the Ha, he says here, when he says its like was never seen, either it's referring to the people of Ad or it's referring to the tribe from the tribes of Ad, meaning the likes of them were never seen, meaning that they were never seen in terms of their physical strength and power, and therefore, obviously, and the two are, are very similar in meaning, because one denotes the other. If you say that it's referring to the people of Ad, then clearly their structure is because of what they were able to do. And if you say it's referring to their structure, then clearly it denotes to the power of the people of Ad. And so that seems to be the way that we can reconcile between those two positions, and Allah Azza wa knows best. Ibn Kathir Ta'ala chose the other position, however, and he said that it's referring to the construction. That's what it's referring to, because they built these constructions where they lived in Al-Ahqaf, and that's also one of the places that they lived. And there's a surah that is named after that, Surah Al-Ahqaf. He said, as for Qatada and Ibn Jarir al-Tabari, they said that it's referring to the group of people, uh, that it's referring to the group of people or the tribe of the people um, that's, that, that's being referred to. And that is the people of Ad, obviously. Al-Imam al-Shawkani, rahimahullah ta'ala, he said that Allah Azza wa here is describing the people of Ad, that there was nothing that was created similar to them. In terms of their height, in terms of their in, in terms of their strength, in terms of their anger, in terms of their ferocity, and that is why as Allah Azza wa says in Surah Fussilat, verse number fifteen, they said, "Man ashadu minna quwa, who is stronger than us? Who is stronger than us?" Or it is an example of, or it is is referring to Ishaqani says the second position is that it's referring to the city in which they lived. But he said, and the first position seems to be stronger and he uses as a uh, as a uh, an evidence for this one of the uh, peculiar recitations or the shad recitations which is a recitation of Ubay ibn Ka'b radiyallahu an and that he used to recite this verse as allati lam yukhlaq mithluhum fil bilad the likes of which or the likes of them was never created before in the land right so the them therefore referring to the people of Ad or the tribe 
within the people of Ad, and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best. So I think that's uh, inshallah ta'ala somewhere we will stop now before we go on to the next verse, which is verse number nine concerning the people of Thamud. So essentially, Allah Azza wa Jal in these verses six, seven, and eight speaks about the people of Ad, but he doesn't focus on their punishment or their destruction. Rather, he focuses on the many blessings that Allah Azza wa Jal gave to them. Whether it's their physical ability, their physical strength, the ferocity that they had that made others uh, become overpowered by them, or the structures that they were able to build by Allah's permission because of the strength that they were given. All of these are from the many blessings that Allah Azza wa Jal bestowed upon them. Right? And that's why Allah Azza wa Jal mentions in the Quran concerning in another surah concerning the people of Ad, he says, jabbarin." And when you would conquer or when you would fight, you would fight with extreme ferocity. Right? Because they were people of butch, people of anger, were people of, 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 of transgression. When they fought, they were known for their strength and for their power. Did that strength help them when they turned away from Allah Azza wa Jal? Did that strength and power help them when they rejected the Prophet Hud did that strength help them when they tried to oppose the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No. So Allah Azza wa Jal is saying, and this is a, 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 a pattern or a theme that you will see repeated within the Quran and the Sunnah, that it is not always the people of strength and power and richness and riches and fame that are always successful. Even if they are successful in the intermediate term or the short term, then it is something which is temporary because ultimate success comes for the people that turn to Allah Azza wa Jal, even if they apparently seem to be weak and to be poor and to be destitute and to be people who don't have the riches and the trappings of the dunya. And so Allah Azza wa Jal, when the time came for the people of Ad, nothing could stop, uh, nothing could stop Allah Azza wa Jal from destroying them. And that is why Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala mentions uh, in, in, in Surah Hud when he describes uh, their, their, um, uh, their, uh, their destruction, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says When they were destroyed it was as if they never existed So so be they far removed or be they distanced the people of Ad, the nation of Hud and Allah Azza wa Jal knows best Okay, so if there's any questions inshallah ta'ala we can take them otherwise inshallah we'll conclude and just as a reminder for those of you that are interested our Al-Isnad course uh, I don't know if any of you managed to tune in last Friday, but inshallah ta'ala, we have a, a two-day course at Green Lane Masjid, which you can follow inshallah ta'ala on the Green Lane Masjid uh, social media, YouTube channels, and so on. Uh, this Saturday, 10 a.m., 10 a.m. Uh, UK time, uh, and it will be all day Saturday and then all day Sunday, inshallah ta'ala, we will begin our third, first Al-Isnad course, which is a new study program that we be, we're beginning inshallah ta'ala at Green Lane Masjid. Here in Birmingham in the UK, you're allowed to come and attend in person uh, if you're able to and if you're you know, obviously close by and so on. If not, then you can catch us online. And inshallah ta'ala, we'll be doing three books. We're going to be doing a reading and commentary of three books, which you can find on the website, alisnad.co.uk, A-L, which is, and then hyphen, I-S-N-A-D.co.uk. Those three books being the Book of Knowledge by Abu Khaythama, uh, the book Tathkirat al-Sami' with Ibn Jama'ah, and the book, The Superiority of the Knowledge of the Salaf, uh, which is uh, by Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, Ali Muhammadullah. So I think that's something, and all three books speak about the virtues of knowledge and the etiquettes of seeking knowledge and so on. So that's like our first course, inshallah ta'ala, and then every month, inshallah, more or less we will have a, uh, a course as well. Okay, Sumaira is asking, what was the name of the Arab linguist? Did anyone catch the name? So we mentioned uh, two, the first was Az-Zajjaj, 
and the second was Al-Fara. So I don't know which one you're referring to. Regarding this NAD course, if doing this online, if one misses parts in the middle, will recordings be available? Yes, so this will be streamed all online on the YouTube uh, of Greenland Masjid. And then it's just uploaded, so it's just there. So if you if you miss something, uh, then yeah, some it's, it's going to be inshallah ta'ala available because this is a free course, so we're not charging for this, so it's just openly available. So it's like everything else uh, that you can just access freely uh, on their YouTube page. Any other questions, or do we stop here today? If any questions on the text went online, people will be able to ask questions. Yes, inshallah ta'ala. So one of the things that we're going to try to do is have some type of a, um, a, a, a Q&A platform that you can engage with other than the chat. So we don't want people using the chats on YouTube. It's just distracting for everyone else that's there. I'd rather no one writes on the chat uh, unless there's like a problem with the actual uh, streaming. Uh, the chat shouldn't really be used for like comments and questions and so on and and because they just get lost and likewise the same with with facebook and so on so what we're going to try to do is uh, use one of these like um, web platforms where you can just simply type in your question like we for those of you that have attended al-maghrib courses and so on we, we sometimes use them where you can just like uh, text in your question or message in your question and then people can upvote uh, the question if it is the same question and so on and that way we can just take them one by one so when we do have q a and that's something, inshallah ta'ala, that because all the questions will be written. So whether you're online or whether you're there in person, inshallah ta'ala, hopefully you will have the opportunity to ask questions. In terms of how much time will be available for questions, that's a very different uh, proposition. I don't know because this is the first time we're running something like this. So the idea is that, inshallah ta'ala, we're going to be reading these books, which are Arabic books, and then reading the English translations of them and doing a commentary in English as well. So it's something which, inshallah ta'ala, helps you with your Arabic. You get to read the books of the early scholars and inshallah you get to understand them and see what they contain of, of uh, the great benefits that they contain. And Allah Azza wa knows best. I will ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make it easy for us and successful. So Jazakumullah khairan inshallah ta'ala we will stop here. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.